This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey, Jen. Hey, Em. Are you ready to talk about some intergenerational patterns and trauma? Am I ever? <laughs> it's such a that's an hilarious question. Are you ready to talk about intergenerational patterns and trauma? Are you so excited? I am amped up. <laughs> okay. Here's why I like talking about intergenerational patterns. Because I think it allows you to really, if you're doing like work and like really empathetic, like understanding investigative journalism, we'll call it an abstract observing. You get to gain a lot of empathy for people in your life. And a lot of times therapists are like, oh, you just blame the parents. But like we are in the business of understanding and uh, empathizing with parents. Yes. People don't like that sometimes. (laughs) No. Well, I think Mm. that to see your parents as like human beings who grew also grew up in an environment where their parents were flawed human beings really does allow us to have a little bit more empathy towards them. But I almost think you sometimes have to go through the process of, you know, I guess not always, but like being upset or frustrated with your parents and then getting to that point where you can develop a little bit more empathy. It's almost part of the healing. Well, I also, I really like to think about, something I do is like, I really think about my mother being my grandmother's daughter. Yeah. And how if she was my daughter, what I would have done differently. Yeah. When I think about like parenting my daughter, I think very much about like, what do I wish my own mother had and what do I wish I had? 
Do you, I mean, sometimes the thing that's really helpful for me in developing empathy towards my parents too, is like thinking about them as children. Yeah, that's what I do. what they experience. Yeah. Like that can be really, really helpful. Yeah. And also in the generation that they grew up in, that there really wasn't a lot of space for them to do any of this work. Oh, Jen, great intro to the first question. Yep. Did on purpose. (laughs) Did that on purpose. First question. Why does it feel like we're the first generation that is trying to break these patterns? So much work. We're not the first generation, but we're the first generation that's talking about it a lot. We're the first generation that is talking about it a lot and has access to more information because of the internet and because of Instagram therapists and TikTok therapists and like all this stuff. We're not the first generation. We're nothing is original. And I think that it is so normalized now and we're using different language, but you're right, consciously very, very consciously doing it in mass. This is a larger mass thing in this generation. Yes. And everyone's talking about it, right? That there's so much more, so much more acceptance around it. Whereas the generation before us, if they were going to therapy um, to talk about this, it was much more, there was much more shame around it. There was much more hiding. And so I think that there's, there's so much more acceptance around doing this work, but yeah, it is a lot of work. You know, I think doing any anything that's worthwhile is a lot of work. It's a great way to put that. You know, like it's true. I mean, like it's all things, hard and horrible. Things don't come easy. It is all hard. But I think that the reason why we choose to do hard things is because we know that there's a high reward at the end yeah. of it. Yep. I'm going to let you choose one because now I think wow. we can sort of start in any of these questions. Okay. So, okay, first, what is um, intergenerational patterns, right? So the intergenerational patterns is patterns that are passed down through each generation, right? So like, let's talk about some really common ones. Um, Unfortunately, addiction, big intergenerational patterns, secret keeping, really big. Addiction, abuse, also large, unfortunately. Difficulty maintaining boundaries, um, severe anxiety, specifically financial. Body shame eating, cut off is massively passed down. We'll get into that a little bit. I think someone asked a question about that. Those are all things that can be passed down through generations. And one of the things that like when we meet with clients for the first time, I say, tell me about your parents and then tell me about your grandparents. And I want to understand three generations up, right? If I can see three generations up, it's also easier for us to not blame people, for us to actually be relational in the way that we encounter one another with kindness and empathy. That's like sort of our quick overdraw. You know, and something you can do if you're listening to this episode, if you want to understand this a little more, is you can Google genogram, right? Just Google genogram. See if you can make a genogram for yourself. Yes. But the first time we ever tried to do that, Jen, one, we got high. Two, <laughs> we said, this is way too hard. And now yeah. I'm like, I can make a genogram in my fucking sleep. No problem. But we were like, this is going to be an art. What did we think it was a fucking art project? What was that decision? Yeah, we, we used, I think we used different colors. We were like really <laughs> putting a lot of work in it. I think we were making it an art project to maybe avoid the understanding of the patterns that were mm, going on because we had to do with our, our own family purse. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. All right. Yeah, so no, yeah, easy, look- it's easier to turn it into a craft. Yes. So a genogram is basically a much more extensive family tree that also has relationship dynamics involved in it with boundaries, different things like that. 
So a really helpful tool to use. You can also ask your therapist if they have a genogram of you. That'll be fun. Oh, now all these therapists are have all these people that like, oh, I listen to this podcast. They said you want to have, have a genogram. genogram. Can I see it? And those therapists are like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> we apologize. We apologize. Okay. <laughs> so also like really helpful things. But to just think about what was my what was my parents' experience like as a child? What was my grandparents' experience like as a child? Also, it's important to understand what was historically going on during that time. Yes. Right? If, you, if you had family that's living through the Holocaust, the Great Depression, slavery, anything that's going on, right? Like what is also like intergenerational trauma that gets passed down? Yes. Because there might not have been anxiety around money and then your family lived through the Great Depression and all of a sudden there's massive anxiety around money. Well, that makes complete sense yes. based on what was happening. Um, and so like that's another thing I want to keep in mind is like also what was happening around the world at that time. Right. Around the world and then in in your family too, specifically, right? If there are certain things, we've talked about this in sibling episodes, right? Where the reason why you might have siblings and the two of you grew up kind of in different families because maybe something in your family something was going on when you were younger and your sibling was older, that there are so many things that can be happening at that time that also shape your parents' ability to parent you and your grandparents' ability to parent your parents. And so that in and of itself also takes effect. And sometimes, I mean, I think even when we were building our own genograms, um, I think the suggestion was like, if there's anything you don't know, go back into your family, see if you can ask questions, Yeah, right? See if you can really understand what was happening during that time. So that can be a really fun project. If you're interested, right, yeah. with my husband, right, like in his family, they didn't talk about a lot of stuff. I get into the family and I never shut up. And all of a sudden I know like the full dating timeline of his parents and all this stuff about, you know, my uh, father-in-law's first marriage. And I remember like after this night, after this dinner, I asked all these questions. Afterwards, my husband was like, I've never heard any of that. I had no idea. So unless you, if you don't ask questions, you're not going to know. People are interested in telling their story more than you realize. You know, it's so interesting too. Um, I mean, we mentioned, I think there's a lot around like family rules. So like you, you know, when you get married and you're in a different family and you don't know all the family rules, right, that have been passed down from generations, it's easy for you to bring your own rules, right? Your rules in your family are we ask questions, we, under help, we understand each other, right? So you're bringing your rules from your family into your partner's family and mm -hmm. you're kind of infiltrating it in a different way and you're breaking that up. And, and I don't think that there's another question about this that we'll get into. Sometimes you don't realize what those rules are until you are, you know, you have brought someone into that family and they say like, well, why don't you guys do this? Or why do you do this? Why do you have mm -hmm. so many questions? Why are you so, you know, like if my um, husband's family is all together, we will sit down and like, there are so many silences that people are like very comfortable with. <laughs> And you're like, Ugh. I'm like, I'm just like coughing to like make noise because I'm like so uncomfortable because in my family, there is not a minute of silence. There's so much anxiety. There's so much anxiety <laughs> around silence that people are just talking and talking and talking. But when I'm with my husband's family and everyone's quiet, I'm just like, I'm like clinking like uh, <laughs> uh, silverware together to just like get some noise because I am so anxious. And so you realize that I don't think I really realized that until I was with my partner and recognized how much anxiety I had in those situations and that, that we, we just have very different rules or ways of being at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, we can get into some of that. Well, so, so somebody wrote in, I noticed a lot of habits when moving in with my partner that I learned from my parents, and I'm sure there's more I haven't. How to recognize and improve on them. So the funny thing is, like, there's certain shit that's, like, just going to come out as it comes out. Like, there's just, like, a natural progression of understanding ourselves and seeing stuff. And some stuff, we can also say to our partner, like, hey, like, how do you do this in your family? Right? Like, especially if there's something we continuously clash on or it's, like, really different. Those are, like, really important conversations to have to, like, get information. Yes. A hundred percent. And, you know, I I think that that can be a, a great conversation to also be able to say, like, can you like, what do you see in my family that I'm not seeing? Right. I mean, I guess you have to be kind of prepped for that a little bit, like emotionally, you know, you have to be in a really good place. Right. Do you see anything in my, in my family? Maybe your family does differently. Well, also, if you're going to invite that conversation for someone yeah. else in your life, you got to be able to like hear truth. Yeah, exactly. You have to be in a good place for that. And you so. don't always love that. Yeah. And so you have to and you have to be in a good place in your relationship to be able to do that. Right. Because I yep. think so mm-hmm. easily that can be pulled into your relationship in a way that is not helpful. Yeah. And I guess like this, this person said, like, how to recognize and improve on them. So improvement is like, am I able to be adaptive and flexible? Like, oh, here's this thing I learned from my childhood. It doesn't have to be about good or bad, but do I want to do it this way? It's yeah. one of the things that like, especially when we do premarital work, we really say to people, Okay, tell me like three things you really want to take from your family origin and three things you really want to leave. We're not here to say what's good or bad. We're not here to like shit on anyone. But it's just like, hey, like these tools are like not necessarily helpful anymore. And I think that gives us the opportunity to say, what are the things that I do want to take with me? And also the opportunity to first understand that you don't have to take everything with you and you get to make changes where I think when we grow up in an environment, things are just happening so naturally. We don't realize that we have these choices, that we can make changes. So I think the first um, kind of piece to this is just understanding that you have choices in this. You can make changes. You can recognize when your anxiety is coming up that no one's talking at the dinner table. And what do you want to do with that? Do you want to, do you want to talk over everyone to help manage your anxiety? Or do you want to say, okay, this is making me anxious. Can I sit with this silence? Can I be okay with this? Where is this coming from for me? Being self-reflective in those moments when you're in an environment that's a little bit different than, than how you grew up. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? (laughs) It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. 
That's hungryroot.com slash shrinkchicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. Jen, here's a question for you. I'm ready. <laughs> the anxiety my mom passed to me. I knew, <laughs> I knew that was the one you were going to say. And her parents passed to her, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. How to not pass it on to my kids as a naturally anxious person. Yes. So this. You will. <laughs> you will. But I think first, let me say the fact that you're asking this question is the important thing. You are aware, you are aware of the intergenerational patterns of anxiety, right? You notice when those things come up. So I think the self-reflection is really, really essential. So something, I think a really good question to ask yourself is like, when specifically is the anxiety coming up for me that has been passed down generations? I'll give you an example in my family. So growing up, my mom had a ton of anxiety around driving, a ton. Um, If we were late specifically for something, there was a lot of anxiety around getting there on time. I noticed that her mother is very much the same. She has a lot of anxiety around driving. So when I was in college, really struggling with in my relationship, really struggling with myself, I used to have a complete anxiety panic attack when I was driving and I was late for something. And so at the time, right, I was so focused on the anxiety and the fact that, oh, there must be something, you know, like there was a lot of shame around it, a lot of struggle with it. Over the work that I have done in becoming a therapist and being in therapy, I've recognized that there has been a lot of anxiety that has been passed down specifically surrounding driving. And that has come out so many times. So really the understanding of where my anxiety is coming out, where it has come from, and starting to do the work that maybe my mom was unable to do and my grandmother was unable to do. What's the fear here? Is the fear real? Like, I'm going to be late. So what if I am late for this? What's going to happen? Right? What's the worst case scenario? Because I would go right into, oh my God, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late for this. I'm not going to be able to make the train. I'm not going to make, right? I stay on the top level of anxiety as opposed to, well, what's going on for me right now, right? Is it how will I work through this if I am late? How can I 
self-regulate when I am in the car? What are the things that are triggering my anxiety? Another example is being stuck in traffic, right? Being stuck anywhere, right? So when you're stuck in traffic, you have the sense of, I have no control over the situation. That can be very anxiety provoking. And so your ability to first recognize when that anxiety has come up for you, how much of that has been passed down generations and starting to help yourself work through some of that anxiety that maybe your parents, uh, your, your parent or your grandparent was unable to work through. Mm-hmm. Oh, good answer. And it's also, I, I just, I also just want to validate that this is very common. I know that there's this, I have natural anxiety, right? That there's, there's ways to work through it. There's also medication. And if you need it, that is really okay. I also want to just validate the fact that medication can also be very, very helpful Mm -hmm. if some of the tools that you're working on in therapy aren't working. That can be a phenomenal supplement. Yeah. How to not hold anger toward a parent for repeating a horrible pattern. Mm. I think this is when it's really important to see our parents as children. Yeah. To really see what, what it must have been like to be a child in their home. and what behaviors they adapted to survive that. And adaptive adults are not bad in so many ways. They're superheroes. They get us there and they're so wonderful and they help us survive. And so what we don't realize is how much that they did do to be different or how much they really tried. I hear this a lot, especially from um, when alcohol and addiction is part of the pattern. Well, if you grew up with a parent of addiction, why would you not have get that fixed? And you're also saying like, but that's like saying for some people like, well, then why didn't you make the sky pink? You know, like that, that people often try their very, very hardest, right? How many of them were kids that said, I'm never going to be like my parents. It's also one of the things that was huge towards my relationship with my parents by becoming a parent where I was like, holy fuck, man, this is so hard. You didn't sleep for three years? (laughs) No shit. You're fucking crazy. I mean, (laughs) 100%. I get it all now, right? Like, I don't get all of it, but there's stuff, right? That Like, I can sit here and understand. I think, like, in my, for my family, that was, like, really passed down dieting and relationship with food. And, like, yeah, like, no shit. My mom wasn't able to break it before I was a kid. Like, if you think about the freaking 90s snack wells and 100 calorie packs and, like, what chance did she have, right? Like Nutrisystems. So like, Nutrisystems, right? You know, what chance did like any of us have with this? So, like I yeah. also like to think about like in a larger picture of like what society is like throwing at us all the time to keep us trapped in these patterns. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, like, okay, well, you're upset with your um, family for having alcohol, but like how normalized is alcohol addiction and alcohol drinking like in our life? Yes. So people... I like to believe that people really try really fucking hard. And it's totally valid for you to be pissed at someone. I get it. Mm-hmm. I would also be pissed too, right? But there's a difference between having anger towards someone and being anger, embodying anger, right? Like integrating it into like, I can't ever be around this person or have a relationship with them. I let it take over. Right. So what would it be like to have anger and to have empathy? Would it be like to have anger and to have boundaries? Would it be like to have anger and to have growth? Love. That's beautiful. Because I don't, I can't sit here and say you're never going to hold anger towards a parent for repeating a horrible pattern. Maybe there's a lot of majidacy in the anger that you hold. And what does it do for you now? And what can you do with it? I love that. 
So I think, yeah, there's the sense of like, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to, right? Like, how do you work through the anger and then make and, and work through as in terms of like, how do you understand it? And then just get, you get to decide what you want to mm-hmm. do with that as opposed to reacting to it. Yeah. Right. Like, what do I want to do with this anger? Yeah. How do I want to work through this? Mm-hmm. Do you think divorce is an intergenerational pattern? And what about cheating? Sometimes. Yeah, they they can be. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I'm, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes. Yeah. But I also want to say, like, I think that sometimes people ask that question as like fear based. Right. Like, oh, if I'm about to marry someone who their parents are divorced and they got divorced because the their, you know, their dad cheated or their grandparents, cheated, you know, that there's a lot of fear around that. I think it can be. It doesn't have to be right. That if people are seeing the way in, it is similarly to cut off, right? If people are seeing the way in which you handle, um, you know, struggles in relationship is you're just like, okay, we're done. We're not gonna, you know, I'm not going to work on my own, whatever I'm struggling with. Um, and my partner's not going to work on their own stuff, whatever they're struggling with and go to therapy that you can see that and say, oh, that's definitely what's going to happen. Then if it's an, if it's a pattern, it's definitely going to get passed down into my relationship where that's not always the case, but it can be a pattern, right? If that's what you see and you see that they worked through it, right? Like that they, they got divorced and actually things ended up being okay, right? That like divorce is more normalized. I think there's this part also that people might hate that I say this, but the reality is that divorce and cheating is part of our culture. Yeah. And they also don't have to be the end of anything. Sometimes divorce is a really healthy thing. Yeah. Sometimes cheating in a relationship makes a relationship fucking so much better. I'm not saying that it's not painful and it's not horrible, but I'm just saying once you've done the job that we do and you work through people that are so happy after a divorce or had a horrible situation with infidelity and now their marriage is fucking amazing you don't see these things as so horrific and black yeah. and white anymore. You just see them as parts of our culture that are part of stuff. So is it possible to be passed down for us things to be modeled? Of course. But what are we going to do with it? Yeah. So let's say that's true. Let's say that happens. Let's say that my um, my partner is father cheated and they end up cheating on me. Is that 100% a deal breaker for me? Right. Lots of people stay in marriages where there's been infidelity. I'm not sitting here saying what's right or what's wrong. I'm just saying we got to have some critical thinking about how hard it is. People have never been married for as long as this generation's being married because people yeah. are still getting married in their late 20s and 30s and still living to fucking 100. Yeah. It's wild. So people, people were married for 70 years before, <laughs> wow. right? So, like, it's not this, like, beautiful, <laughs> delicate thing. Yeah. It's just very real. And I also think for so many of us, especially millennials who grew up at this site, like, 50% divorce rate, which, like, guys, just so you know, like, it's not accurate anymore. Like, it hasn't yeah. been accurate for actually years, the 50% divorce rate. Like, stop saying that. But I think a lot of our generation that had a lot of harm from parents' divorce, you see them come in, they're like, I never, ever want to be divorced. And that's great. But what if you really needed to get out? What if something was bad? Yeah. You're going to stay just for kids just because you told yourself you never would? Right. You, you don't have to be – you don't have to always be the bigger person. You don't have to be like – you don't need to pay, prove your parents so wrong that you hurt yourself in the process. Yeah. 
Because also that's reactionary, right? Because we talk about a lot with patterns too, right? Where you so badly don't want to be like your parent that you swing so far in the other direction that might also not be helpful for you. So the goal is is less so to for you to act based on a reaction to what your parents did because that represents something that is still unhealed, right? That there's still healing that needs to be done. More so that you're making a decision for yourself that makes sense in that moment or for your kids or for your family that makes sense, not based on what your parents have done. And so I think that's such an important thing that you said, Em, is that the to be able to, you know, to say like, oh, my parents got divorced, so I will never get divorced is more reactionary as opposed to does that actually make sense for the relationship that I'm in? Yeah. Because we hear all the time, it's true, we do hear all the time, oh, this person's getting divorced. And we, our response to that is like, okay, divorce isn't always a terrible thing, right? Like that sometimes it can be really helpful for two people to get out of a relationship that is not serving them. I mean, Jen, you- I'm sure that you've had this. Tell me this. I have had people in my office or that said, I wish my parents got divorced. I so wish, many. I wish I didn't live in a high conflict home. I, I wish that, they, you know what I mean? Like, I wish that they just ended it, right? Yeah. So like for us to say there's like better or worse, like, yes, there there is outcomes to divorce. Of course, we're not going to sit here and like dispute data. Yeah. And I'm just saying like some of our thinking around all this has got to be more nuanced because yeah. I have also watched couples where there has been some type of infidelity have the world's best relationships I've ever Me seen. Me too. Me too. Uh, right? I am not going to sit here and like pass judgment on shit. I have seen it completely transform relationships because it highlights then they have to talk about the things that were not working in their first relationship with each other. Right. They develop they have to develop a whole new relationship. And you see some really beautiful things come out of out of something that is so painful. And I've seen couples where cheating absolutely destroys their marriage and their children and hurts everyone. Right. So like so. It's just not, we can't talk about these things and these things. But so, yeah, the question was, is it in general? Yes, it can be. I don't know. So did we go off there? Okay. Uh, just a bit. It's a bit of a soapbox. All right. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil, keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty-free and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post-construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization 
location. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash chicks. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Let's talk about cut off awful adult mom daughter relationships. I'm in no contact with my mom. Mom is in no contact with my grandma, etc. Cut off is absolutely transmitted intergenerationally. That's yes. modeled for us. Let's talk about modeling. Modeling, absolutely. Because I think that if you think about cutoff, right? Cutoff happens as once again. I know I'm talking a lot about reactivity, but as a reaction to something. That if the rules in your family is if you are struggling in a relationship, that you don't talk about it, you don't communicate through it, you don't feel these uncomfortable feelings in order to get to a different place, then we just cut each other off. We don't talk to each other, right? If that is a rule that has been passed down, then it's likely you are going to hold that to be true and continue to hold that to be true unless you work through the reasons why you're holding that right? Or like what comes up for you when there's discomfort in a relationship Mm -hmm. is your immediate response to this. Well, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be friends with that person anymore, right? Like how much is cut off happening in your familiar relationships and in your friendships or your romantic relationships? How much does cut off happen? Even if it's in small moments, right? Where you're like, well, you did this to me. And so I'm not going to talk to you for the rest of the day. Even Mm -hmm. those like small emotional cutoffs that happen, how much is that happening? And what emotion are you turning away from, right? What are you feeling in those moments um, that you're not, or what are you not allowing yourself to feel by saying, I'm going to cut you off right now? What is the emotion? that is too difficult, too painful, or you have learned that you are not supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. I hear that interesting one. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. Health anxiety. I grew up watching my dad freak out about every abnormality. Now I freak out over every abnormality. Help. Mm-hmm. You know what I also wanted to bring up? Like nature nurture, right? There's a lot of nature nurture stuff in this is that you're watching your, you are watching your parent have a lot of worries over their own health. Right. And so as a child, you are a sponge. 
you very much pick up on emotion. You pick up on what's going on around you. And so in a lot of ways, your brain is wired to to hear, like while your brain is developing as a child, your brain is starting to create wires around, okay, your dad has, is fearful of his of his health, right? And so what he's doing, he's going to the doctor, he's doing this, right? So you're, while your brain is developing, you are watching these connections happen with a parent who is your kind of safe space, right? The person who's protecting you, taking care of you. So you're creating these wires in your brain that are saying it is protective, it is taking care of me by making sure that like all of my health is taken care of or that I have some sort of abnormality. I have to make sure that's okay. There's a lot of anxiety around it because that is the time in which your brain was forming and you were forming those connections. And so first acknowledging that, right? That like those, those wires were formed at the time, but your brain is plastic. You can make changes to your brain. Your brain is malleable. And so being able to ask yourself every time there is an abnormality, right? To say like, what's coming up for me right now? To almost become more mindful in those moments of like, what is this bringing up for me? Is every time I get this checked out, does it end up being something, right? Start to do a little bit of reality testing in there because your brain has very much formed these wires over over time. Um, and I want you to ask yourself, is this serving me, right? Is the reaction to this still serving me? The anxiety might still come up, but is the reaction that I am jumping to, is it serving me? Is it actually helping me? Mm. Because I wonder if that also, it's being reinforced for you to say, I'm having this abnormality, I have anxiety about it, so I'm going to go to the doctor every single time, right? Because I'm going to the doctor, that means that this is something that is serious. This is something, the anxiety is true. This is going to affect me. This is going to hurt me. So my question is, is that reaction to it actually helping you? Do you want to implement different types, different ways of self-soothing that maybe your father was unable to implement when he was struggling with his own anxiety around his health? Okay, you ready for Dear Imogen? Yes, I'm so ready. Okay, Dear Imogen, I have a narcissistic alcoholic father who cheated on my mom my whole life. His father was also a narcissistic and alcoholic who cheated on his wife. I am now watching my brothers follow in the same footsteps. My question is, why do some children go down the same dark paths even though they've seen the negative effects it can have on a family, while other children like me want to go the opposite? Well, there's probably a reason you're listening to this podcast and your brothers yeah. aren't. <laughs> you're asking, right? So consciousness. Yeah. Consciousness, That's such a big question. It's such a big question. Why? We don't like, we don't have data. Yeah. But what we can what we can make assumptions is then we have some people that really consciously, intentionally are trying to do it different. And then we have other people. Often and it makes a lot, I, I'm wondering if there's also something to I don't know if this person's female that wrote in they said my brothers I'm not sure but I also wonder if there can be something about um, how society puts things onto men and how things have to be so shoved down yes. and neglected emotionally and they don't have space to do this yeah and I wonder what that's like you know for them to have tried to do that and what type of shame they already have of those parts about like i'm fucked anyway so might as well go for it because that's what i see is the self-sabotage yeah i can't get out of this it doesn't matter anyway yeah and what would it be like to invite those conversations i see you going down this path as dad i love you and i care for you can i support you in any way do you want to talk about this do you see any of that you know sometimes people don't want to hear it but sometimes people are waiting for someone to ask 
just dying, dying for someone to ask. Right. Like if the, with a narcissistic father, narcissistic alcoholic father, my guess is there wasn't a lot of space for vulnerability. There wasn't a lot of space for your emotions, right? If society already for men is saying you can't be vulnerable, you have to be strong, you have to suck it up, you have to be a man, that it's just the messaging around that is so much stronger. And once again, I know we're making assumptions, um, but for women, there's so much more space to be able to be vulnerable in society with our friendships, right? Where if you're not getting that growing up, sometimes there's other supports that you can develop. So yeah, that can be really, really hard. And I think that there, we can develop supports outside of our family. We can, you know, we can start listening to podcasts. We can go to therapy. We can talk to our friends that sometimes when we have more support outside of our family, it can help us go in different directions too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, right? Because I can sit here and talk about, I just keep thinking about, you know, even when we talk about magic going to therapists, Jen, I don't feel like in our experience and our training, there was specific training around male depression. No. Or working with men. No. And, and I do think that a lot of therapists are not, I know we're making this very gender, but there is something to this. A lot of therapists are not properly trained to assess male depression and to understand it and to work with men. And the reality is, is it's a majority female job. Yeah. And, and the reality is that male depression presents very differently right? That it can come out as anger. It can, it just can come out in so many different ways. And so we really love Terry Reel's book on this. Um, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Thank you. That was that. Well, I wouldn't say that to you. That was the name of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember it. So I'm so glad you said it. I don't want to talk about it. I I'm not shutting you down. That's the name of the right, book. Right, right. I get it. I know. I know. <laughs> Just be like, okay. Yes, I guess we uh, won't talk about it. <laughs> um, it's called I Don't Want to Talk About It. But it's really, really helpful in understanding. Actually, we are going to do an episode at some point. Don't know when. Time will tell. On when you have a partner who is struggling with uh, <gasps> mental, mental health. health. Yes. But and I guess so the I, same thing with a family member. With a family member, exactly. Um, And so sometimes that can feel very out of our control. We can really struggle with that. But just understanding kind of the different ways that society might play into that too and how that can make it a little bit more challenging um, in terms of uh, meant to be vulnerable. Here's what I would say to this person, though. You're writing in. And first, I want to say, like, I'm also really sorry you're witnessing this because it also must be triggering for you. And you must want to shake them and say, stop, stop, stop. And sometimes we watch our families go down very similar patterns and we think, how, 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 how? But once again, we can experience the same trauma as our siblings and not always the same wounds, right? We've talked about this before that you can sit through an accident and everyone walks out with different wounds. And your wound was like, I'm going to fucking never go through this again. I will never do this to children. I will never do this. And sometimes that's not it for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a, it's a recreation of it when it's under their control, right? That that's the way in which they are managing their wounds around it, which doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy, but it very, it very much happens in humans when it's unhealed. Yeah. So to all of you wonderful listeners who are doing some great fucking work, 
tuning in, going to your own therapy, reading your own books, doing your own self-reflection. Today, in this moment, we will honor you. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can always rate, review, subscribe, follow on Apple Podcasts if you're looking to do a little bit of deeper work and you are located in the states of Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Florida, or California. And in person in Westchester and in Philadelphia, our beautiful new Philadelphia location. (laughs) We would love you to come on out and see if we can find you a good match with one of our clinicians. And let's give like a quick spotlight to like how awesome our interns are right now. If you're located in Pennsylvania and you need a little bit of a lower fee option, we have the world's best interns right now. So we recommend reaching on out. They can do in-person in Westchester, Philadelphia, or virtual anywhere in Pennsylvania. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We think you're badass. We hope you like us too. Um, And don't forget that if you want to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much. 